0: We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, if you want to find that in your Bibles. As we get into the message today, I want to speak to us about Christian liberty. Salvation in Christ is liberation, and Christian life is one of liberty. Liberty like I had this morning, to change the order of service and sing some songs, right? And even sing one by myself. You should have seen the, the look that Tracy gave me. Like what are you doing? You're seeing. But liberty in Christ. Christ has set us free. And that's what we're going to be reading about in Galatians chapter 5. Christ's liberating action is not a social gospel. It's not what it is. It is not critical race theory. It is not liberation theology. It's not progressive It's not humanistic. In fact, Christ's liberty does not have anything at all to do with political or economic improvement. Did you know that? The freedom we have in Christ is not of this world. We are free from the power of sin. We are free from superstition. We are free from all kinds of things spiritually. As Christians, we've been justified by faith in Christ. We've talked about this as we've been journeying through the book of Galatians. And we're no longer under God's law. But we're under his grace. And I have some scripture references up here that you can look up. And that should also be in your note taker. If it's not, see me after service. I may have made some mistakes and I'll give you my scripture references. But not only have we been justified... As Christians, we've also been set free from sin's dominion over our life. We have been supernaturally regenerated. And we've been made alive to God through union with Christ in His death and risen life. Our heart's desire is to serve God and righteousness. Where sin's dominion involves... You know, as Dan was praying this morning, and I have to tell you, I I love our congregational prayer time. But as he was praying this morning, my thought went to this because I knew what I was going to be saying. We seem to be in a world of constant disobedience and constant disregard for the law of God. It's everybody do whatever you want, whenever you want to. That is not what we mean by freedom in Christ. We're not blind as Christians We see it around us. There's a constant disregard for those things which are good. But we know as Christians the power of the gospel. That is what changes a heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh. That is the kind of a heart that God gives us. We are free from disobedience. And because we're free, we now move and live and have our being in the way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code, as it says in Romans chapter 7. As Christians, we've been set free, as I said, from superstitions. I want to talk to you a little bit about Gnosticism. Gnosticism is something that was going on and had infiltrated the church even in the apostles' lifetime. Has anyone ever heard of Gnosticism? Gnosticism taught that the material world and everything in it is inherently evil. So any pleasure of any kind was evil. The material world is evil. But we know according to the scriptures in first Timothy chapter four, God created all things and they are his gifts to us and we are free to enjoy all of God's creation And we do so without sinning. As long as I am not harming others, as long as I'm not causing others to sin or entering into sin myself, all of these things are given by God for our enjoyment. I'm saying that we're free this morning. We're free from those things which would destroy us. And as we've already talked about, we have God as our Father. Does anybody remember me saying that as we've been going through Galatians? God is our Father. Since we've been in Galatians, I have preached on, I started listing this out. Because we've been doing this whole series through the book of Galatians. Listen, this is what we've covered. I've got to keep my space here in my notes. The true gospel, salvation, sanctification, grace, mercy, justification by faith, covenants, adoption, slavery, freedom, the correct understanding of who and what the church is, the law of God, the promises of God, and how we have become children of Abraham, children of promise, children of God. Did you realize we've covered a lot of doctrine in the book of Galatians, it's rich, it's full. And now, as we get into these last two chapters, and you were probably thinking we're never gonna get to the last two chapters at the way at the rate that James is going, but we're there. We're on chapter five, and then it'll be chapter six, and we'll be done with the book of Galatians. Now, Paul is gonna tell us that correct doctrine, which we've had, should lead to correct living. So now we're going to get into some personal application. So with that long introduction out of the way, let's read the word of God. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law you have become estranged from christ you who attempt to be justified by the law you have fallen from grace for we through the spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love you ran well who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law, watch this, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. As far as the reading of God's word, let's pray this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, help us to understand today what your word teaches. We are thankful for the freedom that you have granted to all those who call you Lord. Help us to be on guard against false teachings and those who spread them. Help us to remember That the guiding principle for Christian freedom is love. And we thank you, Lord. In the name of Christ, our King. Amen. First point for this morning's sermon is the danger of false teachings. These first verses tell us the obvious reason for our liberation is from uh, liberation from the curse of the law is freedom. And it's Jesus who set us free. Thank you. Jesus who set us free. I get excited about that. You can probably tell. And it's Jesus who set us free. Therefore, we should stand firm in that and not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Paul's specifically talking about people here who want to voluntarily go back under the law. We're not under the law. We are under grace. Stand strong, Christians. Stand strong in that. Something that might help us visualize what Paul is saying here. You may remember, if you know history, Martin Luther being called before the council. And I once heard someone talk about a diet of worms. And I thought, that's not, that's gross. What are they talking about? Martin Luther had a diet of worms? No, that's not what it meant. It's actually worms, I think. Diet of worms. And, of course, if you know the story, you know that Martin Luther was brought before this council, and he was to recant his teachings and his beliefs, and he had many that were not in agreement with Roman Catholicism, but one thing was justification by faith. And I want to read a quote to you, what Martin Luther said, quote, unless I am convinced by sacred scripture or by evident reason, I cannot recant For my conscience is held captive by the word of God, and to act against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. And it's easy for us to read that and think, wow, you know, that was really something. But let me explain. Martin Luther was facing the death penalty. I have no doubt that he was trembling because they could kill him for something like that. It was a different world 500 years ago. And when he said, here I stand, he doesn't mean like, here I stand in proximity to you guys. You guys are behind the, you know, judge podium thing and I'm over here and here I stand. That's not what he meant. He meant I am immovable on this doctrine of justification by faith. Unless you can show me from scripture, I am constrained to this justification by faith not of works powerful so as we take a look at verses 2 through 6 again our attention is turned to this sign of circumcision the judaizers are in the church in galatia and the basic doctrinal error of the judaizers was a works-based salvation do you understand we ought to understand that by now a lot of review here this morning It's the same error that is at the heart of every false teaching that there is today. You can work for it. You can gain it. You can earn merit. You can do this. You can do that. And you will win, as I said earlier today, cool points with God. You can get merit. You can get favor if you do these things. Friends, that is not the gospel. That is an error. That is false teaching. It provides a way for man to share and The glorious salvation of our God. And let's just be clear this morning. From this pulpit. You share no glory with God in your salvation. Zero. And you've probably heard this said. What did I bring to God? I brought my sin. That is all. The only thing I brought is my sin. And that is what makes salvation necessary. I could not earn it. So. There are places in the Bible where the Jews are simply called the circumcised or those of the circumcision. This is because the Jews had an emphasis on the outward marking of the body. And this is where their pride was. This is where their confidence was. You can find this in Acts chapter 10, chapter 11, even in Galatians chapter 2. We've already talked about it. But they missed the point. Circumcision was something given by God as a symbol of his covenant promise. And we've talked about this, haven't we? In Genesis chapter 17. But the Jews had taken this sign, not as a reminder of God's gracious and sovereign blessing, but as a means to get his blessing. Do you see that? They wanted to humanly guarantee their favor with God. And that is not how this works. They assigned a spiritual value to a physical act done by them. This cutting away was to be a symbol and a reminder to all generations of Jews that God desired to cut away the evil from their hearts. Even the prophet Jeremiah says you are to be circumcised of hearts. It's not about what you do physically. Yes, it is a physical act, but it is meant as a symbol of God's desire to purify the heart by faith in Christ. Righteousness did not come from the act itself, but from God who gives righteousness. We've talked about the faith of Abraham. Does everyone remember? Just nod your head like this. Yes, we remember James. Paul's issue is not the act of circumcision. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, we learn that um, Paul's talking about himself, that he has undergone this procedure. He was a Jewish male. He was not opposed to christians even doing this if it opened the door for ministry and that was the case with timothy in acts chapter 16. his warning has to do with the false idea that an act on your part will grant you spiritual merit so there's four main points in this section of verses i want to get to those four main points number one first If you receive circumcision as an instrumental cause of your justification, then Christ is of no benefit to you. What does that mean? Instrumental cause. You may remember we've talked about that also. In Roman Catholicism, it is taught what is called baptismal regeneration, meaning that in the baptism, that is the instrumental cause of God granting grace. That is not what we believe and teach in this church. Not as long as I'm your pastor. That is not what is meant by that. So when we use the term instrumental cause, we are talking about some kind of an act done on your part. That is the instrument through which God grants grace. And we believe that grace is free, that I can do nothing. If you want to work for your salvation, the cross, has no benefit for you. And that is what Paul is saying here. So you could just take out the word circumcision, you could put in baptism, you could put in giving my money to the church, giving my time to the church, doing good deeds, helping the old lady across the street. None of that, none of that will earn salvation. I think you guys probably see where I'm going with that. If you do that, the cross is of no value. Number two, if you want to go down that road of trying to keep the law... You probably already know this because we've already covered it. You've got to keep it all, all of it. Isn't it funny that cults who seek to keep parts of the law, they are folks like you've heard me talk about that would tell us we're meeting on the wrong day, but they pick and choose. They don't want to keep the whole law. You know why? Because you can't. You won't. You'll fail. You want to go down that road? I wish you all the best, but you will fail In verse 3, where Paul uses the word testify, he's actually saying, I am protesting this whole entire idea of trying to keep the law. You cannot do it. Number 3, when Paul says that those who do this works-based righteousness have been estranged from Christ, it's an interesting word here in Greek. In the New American Standard Bible and the English Standard Version, they both use the word severed interesting that they use that word when the topic is what it is severed it's more than being estranged from christ you have severed yourself from christ if you want to work you have severed your relationship with him and instead of securing your salvation you have secured the opposite that's what you've done and then fourth and finally you are no longer a partaker of the spirit and of a hope of righteousness by faith salvation is based upon christ And faith working through his love. I want to say a very quick note here on verse 6. Rome loves this verse. Verse 6 here. Galatians 5, 6. Why do they love it? Because they will say something like this. You see, all you Protestants, it's not faith alone. It's faith and love. It says so right in your Bible. It's faith and love that justify you. See how subtle it is? It even sounds good. It sounds like it could be true. But that's not what is meant here, friends. It is truly faith alone which justifies you. Watch this. However, if you have that justifying faith in Christ, what's going to happen as an outgrowth of that? Love. That's what this text means. Jesus said, by the love that you have for one another, they will know that you are my disciples. So it's not faith and love that justifies you faith alone and christ alone that is what justifies what will happen because you have been reborn is love and i've shared that with you i love people ask my wife i did not love people i struggle with it to this day but i know the holy spirit has done a work in my heart and changed me And all of a sudden i started feeling compassion for people and i'm thinking where did that come from it comes from the holy spirit living inside of you he has changed you so second point today the character of false teachers so we talked about the danger of false teaching now let's talk about the character as we look at verse seven paul wants us to know or he asks the question rather he says who hindered you from obeying the truth Notice that he didn't ask, who has hindered you from obeying the law? He didn't say that. Who has hindered you from obeying the truth? I've actually been told by more people than I could probably count that doctrine doesn't matter. Have you ever heard that? Ah, it doesn't matter. We're all kind of the same. doctrine. You guys, especially whenever I started... uh, becoming reformed in my theology it was amazing to me the number of people that were my brothers and sisters that would say to me "Ah, doctrine doesn't matter doctrine is a fancy word for teaching that's all it is it's teaching when somebody tells you that teaching doesn't matter they are saying truth doesn't matter that's what's being said so doctrine matters you'll remember you know truth (laughs) i'm gonna say this truth is not abstract it is not subjective it is not liquid it is not fluid it doesn't move and depend on whatever truth is by definition only truth there is only one truth there's not my truth and your truth and everybody else's truth you've heard people say you got to speak your truth wrong (laughs) not unless your truth is coming out of the word of god so you may remember and i was going to mention this. A conversation that Jesus had with Pilate in John 18, verses 37 and 38. Jesus says, you say rightly that I am king for this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Do you remember what Pilate's response was? What is truth? Getting all philosophical. But there's more to it than that. Pilate was sitting on a political powder keg. He's trying to keep peace, and this is at the time called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. He's trying to keep a riot from breaking out in the city and at the same time deal justice with an innocent man. He knows that this man is innocent. If he lets him go, he's gonna have a riot on his hands and that's gonna get back to Caesar. And he doesn't need that kind of a headache right now. He needs to keep the peace. There's no doubt in my mind that Pilate was struggling But you see he was looking for a different kind of truth and there's only one truth and he was standing right in front of it there's only one truth and the truth is christ christians we have truth set before us we have truth set before us not so that we can pass some kind of a theological exam or win a debate with our friends that's not what we study for every sunday i'm in this pulpit and i try to tell you the truth and i try to give you the reason for the truth because it's not enough to just go well this is what i believe that's good that's a good place to start but do you know why can you give a reason for the hope that is within you a reasoned defense and that's what my goal is it is our rule of life the truth of christ obedience to christ i want to point out to you Jesus, and we talked about this last week, the woman at the well, he knew everything about her, didn't he? And it wasn't a pretty story, but Jesus did not condemn her. He came to her with encouragement and he offered her water, living water. If you drink from this fountain, you will never thirst again. She went back into the city and brought everybody out and she was not even a Jewish woman. Another example, and this is for today, this is not a review. Zacchaeus, You remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, I am coming to your house today. We're going to have lunch. That's my paraphrase. Notice that Zacchaeus wasn't at the house on the inside. and There was only a door handle on the inside. And, and Jesus was outside knocking on the door, begging to come into Zacchaeus's house. And only Zacchaeus could open the door. Does anybody follow my train of thought here? It was Jesus who said, Zacchaeus. I am coming to your house today. And he says later on, and all this happened before Zacchaeus repented and gave back all the money that he had stolen. Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today because he is also a son of Abraham. Interesting. A son of Abraham and Sarah, not Abraham and Hagar. Hagar, You remember that from last week? Two covenants. So quickly, Jesus, this same Jesus who was gentle in those cases, is the same Jesus who tells the religious leaders of the Jews in Matthew 23, he calls them, I've got the list, hypocrites, deceivers, extortioners, misguided proselytizers, blind guides, fools, inwardly corrupt and foul, whitewashed tombs, vipers, and the future persecutors of his people, the church. You need to understand that these people did not enjoy a special privilege because they were from Abraham's lineage. They did not enjoy it then. They don't enjoy it today. And they will not enjoy it in the future. How do you become a child of Abraham according to what we've studied in Galatians? Faith in Christ. Right? Yes. You're right, James. Thank you. So I want to read a prophecy From Isaiah, and then we're going to move on because I know I'm going long. But Isaiah chapter 29, verses 13 through 16, Isaiah the prophet said, Inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Hmm, the commandment. Of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord, and their works are in the dark, and they say, Who sees us? Who knows us? Surely you have things turned around. That is what Isaiah said. Who was he talking about? He was talking about the scribes and the Pharisees that Jesus was confronting, preaching the commandments of men as though it was the law of God. And it was not. False teachers, um, and I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit here, Sherry. False teachers hinder the truth, they hinder the truth. Not only that, we've seen that they pers- purposefully desire to gain a following for themselves. That's what was happening in Galatians. They wanted to uh, take the following away from Paul and Paul's gospel. And hey, you follow us Judaizers. That's what they wanted to do. Interesting. Second Peter chapter 2, the Bible warns us against false teachers. says they will come in and make merchandise of you. Or you may have a translation that says they will exploit you. I always think, for some reason, I always think about those slick guys on the television set asking for money in the name of Jesus. Shame on them. Shame on them. Teaching a false gospel. Exploiting the people of God. Second point, false teachers are not of God. They will have some kind of legalism that you have to do. Legalism. Legalism that they push and it does not come from the one who called you that's what paul said it does not come from the one who called you second thessalonians chapter 2 verses 13 through 14 god chose believers from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and faith in truth there's that word again truth truth And it was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's very different than what a false teacher will tell you. Number three, false teachers contaminate the church. Verse nine speaks of leaven. Leaven takes a little bit of leaven to leaven the whole lump. I'm going to share my heart with you. The pulpit in the United States is corrupt. Now, I don't mean that it's 100% corrupt all over the place. Every single church out there is doing something wrong. I do believe that there are good churches. There are good. But there are far too many that are not telling the truth today. They're not telling you the truth. Or they're not telling their congregations the truth. They're not telling the truth about salvation. They're not telling the truth about repentance and justification by faith and sin and service to others. They have a twisted gospel, it's false, it's not real. When you have a contaminated pulpit, you have a contaminated congregation. When you have a contaminated congregation, you have a contaminated church. When the church is contaminated, the nation is contaminated. This is not about Republicans and Democrats. It's about may God give us men who will stand in the pulpit and proclaim the truth of God and the gospel to our magistrates. It is the only thing that will change us. Repentance and faith. Turn to Christ and believe the gospel. Pray for the church across this country. Pray with me. That's one of the things that I'm going to be praying for. We need to tell the truth. False teachers will be judged. Verse 10 tells us very plainly. Paul says you're going to get judgment and you're going to bear the judgment for your false teaching. Another thing about false teachers, they always come against the true teachers. The false teachers in this case were Judaizers coming against Paul. There are plenty of people that today would tell you that what I am proclaiming here is wrong, that I'm wrong because I'm telling you, you don't have to work for it. And it's a big deal. It is a big deal. It's not, oh, we all believe the same thing. No, we don't. We don't all believe the same thing. And lastly, false teachers should be cut off. Verse 12 uses a Greek word which is used for castration. Interesting word there considering the topic that's going on in Galatians. The ESV, the English Standard Version, actually uses the word emasculate. Here's what Paul is saying. You want to do that? You want to keep the law? Go the whole way just cut yourself off is what he is saying that's what the pagans did by the way the pagans would mutilate their bodies and worship to their false god that's what paul is saying to these judaizers i wish that they would just go all the way with it point three the call of freedom this is the exciting part the call of freedom freedom in christ verses 13 through 15 as dan was praying this morning i thought about this point ours is a world of wokeness everybody's woke that's the word woke have you heard it and on the whole it seems that humanity has tracy and i were talking about this on the drive in this morning because we had a lot of time because the roads are not good so we went slow and we were talking about how it seems that we have collectively lost our minds Deceived people are crying out all the time, more freedom, more freedom, more freedom. And what they don't see is that the freedom that they are talking about is not freedom at all. It is freedom without restraint, and it will lead to slavery and addiction and all the mess that goes with it. Addictions to alcohol, weed, which is now fairly legal across the country, illegal drugs. Sexual passions violence and many other forms of men acting out what is in their heart That's what it is That is not freedom. It is a lie and it will lead to bondage the enemy says. Oh try this. It's good You'll have a great time maybe for a little while But he will keep you at the party a lot longer than you wanted to be there originally He will keep you there longer than you wanted to stay talk to somebody who has had an addiction It is slavery, it is not freedom. This is what happens when we're unrestrained. However, Jesus, can I say, Jesus says that everyone, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So what does God's freedom look like? What is God calling us to? So glad you asked. Let me turn the page. Freedom to oppose the flesh. For the first time, when Jesus comes in for the first time, your will is awakened and you have the freedom to now say no to sin. Oppose the flesh. Remember, I brought out last week that before Christ, even your will was bound. People want to talk to me about free will. We can talk about it some other time. But I pointed out the foolishness last week of thinking that you had anything to do with your salvation, that you would ever choose God. Remember, we talked about cows and their nature. Remember, their nature is to be vegetarian. So even if I have the freedom to go after meat, they won't because it's not in their nature. I will never choose God because it's not in my nature. But then the Holy Spirit comes in, makes you alive, opens your eyes, opens your ears, and now you see Now you come to Christ in faith and repentance. Freedom to oppose the flesh. Freedom to say no more addiction. You can go through a 12-step program if you want to. I suppose people beat it by uh, strong willpower. Or you can be set free by Christ. Amen? Amen. That's what we say in Baptist churches. Okay, number two. Freedom to love and to serve. Freedom to love and to serve. But now that you have Christ, You are free to actually love and serve one another for the purposes of God's glory. Doesn't mean that there's not wicked people that attempt to do good things and attempt to love and to serve, but their motivation isn't correct. Our motivation is from the Holy Spirit, the love that he has put in us. We do it so that God would be glorified. We do these things in Jesus' name. Number three, freedom to fulfill God's moral law. Paul reminds us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Read Romans 13 for a full expansion on loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And then freedom to do no harm to others. Freedom to do no harm to others. This is kind of like the freedom to love and serve. If I'm loving and serving you, I can't harm you. Isn't that neat how that works? If I'm loving neighbor... Loving God, loving neighbor, I won't hurt you. What happens when we don't love and serve our neighbors? We bite and we devour one another. That's what it says here. And this is what happens when there is an ungodly freedom without restraint. Destruction, terrible hurts to our neighbor. Christians should be known for doing no harm to others. So today, what have we talked about? We've seen the dangers of false teachings. These lead you back to slavery. We've seen the character of the false teacher, and we've been reminded of God's call to freedom, freedom in Christ. Friends, be on your guard. False teachings and those who spread them sound good. It sounds good. A liar is not going to come up to you and say, I'm lying to you. It's going to sound almost correct. you got to be on guard. Stay in your Bible. Earlier this week, somebody asked me, how do you live it, James? And I said, well, please don't take this as a boast or a brag because it's not. I said, I stay in my Bible, not because I'm super holy, but because I'm not holy. And I know if my nose isn't in this book, I'm going to have issues. That's how I live it. Because I take away the the daily intake of the scripture. And I don't even want to think about where I would go. It's not a good idea. Stay in the word of truth. Don't go for the lie. It's deception and it's only going to lead you back to slavery. Stay in Christ. Here I stand and I will not be moved. Enjoy the freedom of Christ to finally oppose the desire of the flesh. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. To fulfill God's law and to do no harm to others. Let's pray, church. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the instructions that you've given us in uh, Galatians. Even though it was to a church long ago, it certainly applies to us today. Help us, Lord Jesus, to enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ and to love each other like we should. Cleanse our hearts, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Reflections of the old Passing to face you every day But well, there's one thing here yeah, and-